certainly will enjoy the time. I'm looking for, uh, we had a missionary with us this morning, and I know she's still here, but I don't see her. Tiffany, where are you? Right there. Welcome, Tiffany. And uh, we heard from her this morning. She challenged our hearts in Sunday school and in church about God's work that they are doing in Cambodia. And uh, she'll be staying with us until Tuesday morning, she tells me. 3.30 in the morning, I get to take her to the airport. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I'm a friend, eh? I don't know, I'm a friend or she's a good friend for being employed at that time. But uh, that's what I'll be doing. So she'll be spending tomorrow with us, and uh, we're just delighted that she's here with us tonight. Any others that are visiting, we're glad you're here. We're going to take your offering right at the beginning. And we're singing, My Hope is Built. Nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock. I stand all other ground, his sinking stand. Let's stand together, shall we, as we worship the Lord with our offering
grace of our loving Lord, the grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt, yonder on Calvary's mountain, for there, where the blood of the Lamb was spilled, grace, grace, God's grace. And before I give you any further instruction, I just want to sing this hymn uh, tonight and just allow the words to just resonate in our hearts. As we think about the awesome grace of God, where God brought us from, where God has placed us today. And we're so thankful for his grace. Let's sing this together, shall we, as we prepare our hearts.
sing our next song, O blood of Jesus, washes me, the blood of Jesus, shed for me, was sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood is my victory. And though we have victory tonight, through the cross, through the death and the suffering of Jesus, we stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And while we come to the table and we remember the crucifixion of our Savior, we rejoice in knowing.
we're just going to simply thank the Lord for what he's done in our lives what he's going to do. Because I believe we ought to be the most thankful people here. Amen. Amen. Lord. 
of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Then we're moving over to the New Testament, to the book of 1 Corinthians tonight. The Bible says, I have received of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together this evening. Let's give Thank thanks you thanks tonight, shall we?
Thank you, God. One more song tonight before we hear the word of God. This is a totally different tempo, but uh, we're going to sing, I believe he's coming back. Like he said, you cannot sing this thing then. It's impossible. So we're going to have to stand tonight. We're preparing our hearts to hear from God's word. I believe he's coming back. Like he said, how many of you believe it in this place? I believe the trumpet will sound so loud. One day will be the day. The twinkling of an eye, he'll split the eastern sky. I believe he's coming back. Like he said, this is our hope. This is what we preach, what we live, what we believe, what we stand on. The second coming of Jesus. Let's stand together as we prepare our hearts for God's word. And I believe he's coming back like he said. I believe the truth will stand to laugh one day to wake the day. If we open eyes, we'll sit in the sky. I believe he's coming back like he said. And I believe he's coming back like he said. I believe the truth will stand to laugh. Yeah. 
St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 4 to 8. Jesus answered his disciples and said, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes, and pestilence in various places. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows or birth pains. Our text verses verse 1. The King James translates the original Greek. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. The NIV translates it, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. The New Living Translation says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days it will be difficult days upon the earth. Living in the last days, Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank Living you, in the last days, we read these verses of Scripture like picking up the morning paper and reading from it. It is like turning on the television and watching the evening news. These things are so current and up to date that it seems like Paul just sat down in prison and wrote a description of the time in which you and I live. If you are to study the Gospels, you will find over and over again, Jesus referred to his return. He referred to the Son of Man coming again. And throughout the New Testament, the second coming of Jesus Christ is a prevalent topic. If you were to search how many of the New Testament writers referred to the event of the last days, you will find that almost every writer without exception refers to the event of the coming of the Lord. Today in our world, our world is facing a moral crisis. Am I correct? Our world is facing a social crisis, a political crisis, a financial crisis, a national crisis, an international darkness. The United Nations in recent speeches have declared they have no answers for the troubles in many of the nations of the world. Peace treaties have come and peace treaties have gone. And today our world is more fragile than it has ever been. It's a dangerous world that we live in. Matter of fact, news reporters are telling us our earth that we live on is fragile. Earthquakes are a possibility on every continent. Tsunamis and natural disasters are ever before us. The fact of the matter is the Apostle Paul writes down to Timothy as he did to many others and says, listen, in the last days there will be perilous times. We are living in an hour in which our scientists 
people thought Justin Trudeau would be the answer. Others thought Donald Trump. Others thought maybe the new Prince of England. But we are finding that leaders are being inaugurated and are being put in place. But there is very little happening to the Middle East and to many of the nations around Israel as I stand here today. There is a heartbeat that is beating and there is a heartbeat that continues to beat and that heartbeat is God's heartbeat for the world. He loves us and he is not willing that any should perish. The Apostle Paul now writes here to Timothy, for years we have always thought that Paul is writing to the world. Paul is telling Timothy now the world is going to get worse and worse. But as you realize, he's instilling in the life of this young pastor what would happen to believers in the last days. Can it ever be so, Pastor, that the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, looked beyond the curtain of time and saw the predicament of the 21st century? Well, indeed he did, because this book that I hold was not written by man. It was written by the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says that holy men of God, they wrote as the Spirit of God allowed them to write. The Bible teaches us these signs that we see in every generation is pointing and dealing with the topic of the coming of the Lord. Firstly, tonight, I want to say that the Apostle Paul is letting us know that we are living in a time of disdain. A time of disdain. He says to the Apostle Paul, he says to Timothy, rather, the Apostle Paul says, listen, mark this perilous or terrible difficult days are coming in the last hour then he goes on to say people will be lovers of themselves they'll be lovers of money they'll be boastful they'll be proud they will be abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy without love unforgiving slanderous without self-control brutal do you see where we are? The word disdain in the English dictionary means to regard or to treat with contempt, to despise or to scorn, to think unworthy of notice or response. We are in a me generation. People are not concerned anymore about their neighbor and they're certainly not concerned about God. We are in a generation where people are only concerned that I become better. And it doesn't matter who I hurt in the process. We are in a generation where pride is rampant. We live in a generation of pride. A couple of weeks ago I went with our youth pastor out to the neighboring peninsula as he took some of our young people to a funeral of one of the young boys in the group whose dad had died suddenly. So coming back from Bayburg, I don't know why, but when we got in the car, they started asking questions, and they put me on the spot. They started saying, Pastor White, Jesus is coming again. I said, yes. They said, how do we know he's going to come again? What signs? So I began to tell them. And I began to list some things. And when I got to the fact that people would be proud, one of the young boys in the back seat said, you mean like people putting selfies on Facebook all the time? <laughs> I said, kind of. Kind of. We are in a day of disdain. 
We don't care who we hurt or what we do as long as we come out. And number one, this type of generation will be boastful and proud. Lovers of themselves and lovers of money. We see this generation unfolding. The sad story is that scoffers are not limited to non-believers or to agnostics or even to atheists. The sad part about it is there are believers today who are scoffing at anybody who believes in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then, let me tell you right now, Jesus said, I will go, but I will come again. The angel of the Lord said, why stand ye gazing into heaven for this same Jesus that you have seen go into heaven will come back in the same manner as you have seen him go. Do we believe in the imminent return of Jesus? Indeed we do. Jesus said in an hour in which you think not, the Son of Man comes. He says, watch and be ye also ready. Therefore the skeptics can come if they wish. But I alluded to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 in the introduction of this message. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The major reason today, as we see it unfolding, is man is motivated by pride and self-desire. The love of money. People are robbing their own grandmother for a dollar. You don't believe me? Watch the news. The almighty dollar. I know what I'm talking about. I've read wills. Thank God I don't ever read anymore. But during my first 10 or 15 years of ministry, I would even read a will after the funeral until the PLNLs told us to stop doing it. And I almost had to jump out of the way when two good Christians in the church got in a fight over mother's green dishes. You can laugh, but that's the fact. And I felt like saying, I'll take the dishes and make both of you happy. That's the world we are in. We have built ourselves upon materialism. Do you know today there is a revival in the church of Jesus Christ? There is a revival in this world today that is unprecedented. It has never happened like this before, but it's not happening in North America. It is happening in Asia. Our sister is here. The gospel is bursting in Asia. Thousands are coming to Jesus Christ. The Iron Curtain has come off China. And China is seeing a mighty revival in their midst. South America is experiencing a revival. North America is not one great preacher. Many of you have his books. Said the reason North America is not experiencing a revival like it should. Is because we are leaning and trusting in the God of materialism. I knew you wouldn't say that. Some of us talk about our cars more than we ever talk about the Lord. Come on, church today. This is prophetic words that has been written. We will be lovers of money. Guess what? You can have all the money you want, and it will not buy happiness. You can have all the money you want, and it won't buy your health. You can have all the money you want, but it won't buy your heaven. But for someone to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is what makes the difference. Apostle Paul here says, 
listen, these days are going to be days of disdain. They will not want God's word. They will not want God's message. But they will do it their own way. A time when they are concerned about me and me only. Jude, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, describes them in verses 16 to 19 of his book. In this little book, he says, These are grumblers, complainers, walking after their own lust. The word lust is a strong desire and passion. Something that I just must do. This means they were totally preoccupied with their own agenda. Today the message is clear. It will be a time of disdain. People will not listen to God and will not want to hear what God is saying. The word lust here is clear. People are lusting after the flesh, the world, and the devil. And have no value on what God's word declares and what God's word says. Do you want passion in your life? What are you passionate about tonight? What are you passionate about? Can I ask a question? Are we as passionate tonight about Jesus as we were the night that he came into our lives? If the answer is no, we have got to do an inventory and we have got to say, Lord, I don't want to live in a me generation. I don't want to live to make myself proud or conceited or the love of money, but I want to be totally dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. You see, scoffers will come. They do their own thing. They will want what they want wanted. What are the marks of the flesh? Lust that appears in the scoffers' lifestyle. Second Peter chapter 2 says these are those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and they despise authority. They're presumptuous. They're self-willed and they speak evil of. Are we in this generation? Our churches today have drifted from people who were occupied and preoccupied with the gospel. And now we have moved to people that don't want the gospel and they don't want God. How sad it is when we are content to take God out of our worship, to take Him out of our preaching, to take Him out of our services, and to take Him out of our prayers. Hear me today. The only That's it. So we see that we are living in a time of disdain. Secondly, the apostle wants us to know we are going to live in a time of departure. Of course, Jesus warned it in Matthew's gospel. He said, many Christ will arise and will deceive many. Then the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter and the Jew all pick up on what Jesus had instructed his disciples. And each one of them warns us that in the last days there will be a time of departure. Paul now writing to the young Timothy, he says they're going to want a form of godliness, but they're going to deny the power thereof. They want the godliness, but they don't want the power of the gospel. Today we can have all the gadgets we want, but hear me. If we don't have the power of God, we have nothing. You want to go to Cambodia, you'll need more than a degree on your wall and music credits and everything else. If you're going to walk into a Buddhist community,
when nobody knows Jesus Christ. You're going to need more than that. You're going to need the option of the Holy Spirit that will guide your steps and will guide your every moment. Well, what about a departure? The Bible is clear in the last days, a form of godliness. And Jeremiah, the prophet of old, said, Because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense in vanity. They have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths to walk in their own paths. Paul says to Timothy, a time will come. Listen to what he says in 1 Timothy. He says a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap themselves to teachers having itching ears and turn their ears from the truth and turn to fables. Is this the generation we are in? We have a church today, and I'm not talking about Dear Lake, so don't get mad with me. I'm talking about the church in general. We have a church in general in North America. They don't care what a preacher believes. They don't care if he believes Jesus was virgin born or conceived of the Holy Ghost. As long as he says something that makes them happy, they don't believe it. Now hear me today. They are itching ears today. People have accepted all kinds of doctrines. Some time ago I listened to a preacher being interviewed by Larry King Live. And he's a preacher well known. And I don't get mad very often, but I'm going to tell you I got mad when I sat in my living room and I listened to a man who's preaching to thousands. Larry King looked over the desk and he said, Sir, we have had preachers on this line that have said Jesus is the only way to God. He said, Do you believe that? Well now, if we're going to believe the Word of God, the answer was very simple. What did the Bible say? Jesus said, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Pretty clear. All he had to say was, Jesus said. He looked and he played with his hands. And after a while he said, well, and he began to list out the other religions. They're good people. I'm not debating if they're good people. I'm not debating if they help the poor or the needy. I'm not debating if they help their neighbor. That's not the question we're asking. The question we're asking is how can we make relationship and be right with God? The answer is simple. Unless a man be born again and unless a man confess with his mouth and believe in his heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, he cannot be saved. And it got nothing to do with Pentecostals. It got to do with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are we in this day of departure? Certainly so. Paul wrote again in 1 Timothy 4 and 1. He says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressively that in the last time or the later times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The evidence of apostasy is everywhere within the professing sphere of a latter-day postmodern Christian religion. It is offensive to say the name of Jesus. How dare we say man needs God? How dare we say that God has planned a redemption through His blood? It's offensive to mention the blood of Jesus Christ. We are seeing a time of departure from that which we thought when I entered the ministry 26 years ago after we graduated Eastern Pentecostal Bible College. If someone had told me 
26 years ago when we received our credentials after training in Bible school and someone had told me, Pastor, there will come a time when Pentecostals will look at you and say, I don't care what the Word says. I would have laughed at that. If there was a time when people back then said, now, Pastor, there will come a time in where people will change the Word of God to suit your situation, I would have laughed. Not Pentecostals. We made ourselves so prideful that we were true to the Scriptures. But the sad part about it is sometimes we have allowed culture to change our view of Scripture. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is today, it doesn't matter what culture says, it matters what Jesus says. Yeah. And the Word of God is clear. He was born of a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He knew no sin but became sin for us. He bore our sin, our shame, our sickness in His body. And by His stripes we are healed. It is Jesus and it's all about Him. Culture will say, well, there are many paths to God. And the church is kind of believing that might be so. But the fact of the matter is we are having a watered-down gospel. No watered-down gospel will save, it will not sanctify, and it will not satisfy. The only thing that will redeem humanity is believing on the Lord and His sacrifice on Calvary. For the mercy seat has been sprinkled once and for all. Amen. Amen. I'm, going to, I'm going to calm down a little bit. <laughs> Some people think when I get excited I shouldn't, so I'll calm down a little bit. You see, the last day apostasy. Preachers preaching doctrines that are unbiblical. We criticize the cults for taking one scripture out and making it a doctrine. And there are cults today in the millions. I just watched a documentary on Jim Jones. And if you watch that new documentary, he was a tongue-speaking Pentecostal. But he took scriptures out of this book. He didn't look at the correlation of scriptures. And he took a scripture out and he made a doctrine on it. And we all know the sad story of Jonestown. How not only did he drink that, that liquid himself, but thousands of others followed him. And hundreds died. Children, men, and women. Because he took parts of the scripture and made a doctrine out of it. Hear me today. We read the scriptures and we see it as we see what God is saying. But people today are just listening to one word and then they're taking it and they're making a doctrine of it. We need to read the scriptures. We need to understand what Paul was writing to Timothy and not take out a word that satisfies us. Pastor, it's all right now to have sexual relationship out of marriage. Is it? Praise the Lord. It's all right for us to indulge in the sinful natures of the world. Paul is saying, listen, there is a mandate to follow. And the godliness that you have, you don't need a form, but you need the power of the gospel. Jesus has spoken. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 1 says. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. At many times in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Through whom he made the universe. He has spoken through Jesus. But today we are indeed living in a time of departure. The western church is truly walking down paths. Not given to us by God. We have boldly forsaken the ancient paths. And have gone where our 
predecessors have wisely chosen not to tread. And I made it, and made one day be unpopular, and I'm unpopular with some of you here tonight. But I'm going to declare it again. There is no way to God what my forefathers preached has not changed. Jesus is the only way to God. And the blood is the only thing that will save us. There is no other way to be saved. And a watered-down salvation message will only bring damnation to somebody. We need to be clear today in this time of departure. William Booth, the founder of the Great Salvation Army, once wrote this prophetic word. He said, I consider the chief dangers which will confront the coming century. We will have a religion without the Holy Ghost, a Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and a heaven without a hell. Do you think the great general saw a prophetic word long before it ever came into being? We need to understand today where we are. I'm moving quickly. Living in a time of departure, Galatians 1 and 8, let God curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news or gospel than has been preached to you. Even if an angel comes with a different gospel, let him be accursed. Thirdly and lastly tonight, and I'll go through this rather quickly. Jesus had talked in Matthew 24 concerning the last days and living in them. He talked about environmental catastrophes. He said there will be famines. There will be earthquakes. If you are following science today, you will find that our world is in a disaster. Tsunamis. We have watched in recent days what has happened in Ottawa, what has happened in Quebec. All of these changes in nature. Jesus said in the last days there will be environmental catastrophes and they are unfolding before our very eyes. He said there will be enmity, catastrophes, there will be wars. Nations will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. We are seeing unrest in our world. Unrest even though there are movements by the United Nations to bring peace. But they are fragile at this moment. Oh, as we see this economic catastrophe that is coming. No man can buy or sell. Say he at the mark. Now, Pastor, I don't believe in the book of Revelation. Well, hear me today. The book of Revelation is as accurate as the book of John. John was on the island of Patmos when he gave him the prophetic visions of what was to come. There will come a time when man cannot buy, nor can he sell. I can remember the days I'm not very old, compared to some of you. <laughs> but I can remember the days when we didn't have a bank card. Now a youngster knocks on my door and says, Pastor, I'm selling apples for five dollars. I gotta turn the house outside down to get a five dollar bill. Are you there? We have moved to a society when the preachers of yesteryear, who had no education, but were on their knees before God, got up in our pulpits. They told us the dollar would die. They told us we would no longer have bills. And people laughed 
We can go to the airport. We don't no longer need to have a ticket. All we got to do is show them the phone and we get into security. We don't need anything else but this phone as time and long I've been preached tonight in my hands. That's all we need. We got everything. I could stand around this pulpit today and do my banking. I don't do it. My wife does it. She loves me and keeps me out of jail. But if I wanted to, I could go out here and pay my car bill. I can even pay my tithes. If you haven't, take your phone and take care of it in a moment. That's the day we're in. We have gone from checks and money and bank accounts to holding this in our hand. The Bible says there will come a time when man will neither buy nor sell unless he has the mark. A few years ago, the stock markets, some of you that had retirement pension plans got worried. We watched as the stock markets begin to fall. And you know why it fell? It fell because of a nation across the sea in Europe. Because Greece was having financial difficulties, it affected the retirement savings plan of Canadians. We are no longer in a large world, but we are in what they call a global village. Today, the prophecies of the Word of God are being unfolded before our very eyes. We see epidemics and catastrophes. There will be famines and pestilence. Today, there are more diseases than ever known to humanity. Matter of fact, the World Health Order came out last year and said they are terrified that there will come a strain of the flu like came across Europe in the 1930s that penicillin will not be able to stop. Why? Because there are epidemics that are happening in our world that antibiotics cannot resist and these new diseases have no cure. We are in pestilence, we are in famines, we are in crisis. Then we see we are in an ethics crisis. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man. What were the days of Noah like? According to the Word of God, the days of Noah were corrupt. Men's thoughts were evil continually. The Bible says they regarded not the preaching of mercy until the ark was shut. Jesus, looking at the crowd, said the days before my return will be as it was in the days of Noah. They will be perverse. They will be sinful. They will be in corruption. They will be in sin. That's the day preceding the coming of the Lord. Today, that which is sin is no longer sin. We have no problem any longer to lie, cheat, steal, backbite, anger, unforgiveness. We allow these things to become part of the Lord, but they are not to become part of the Lord. God wants a call out people, and that's why he says, remember Lot's wife, who turned her back and turned into a pillar of salt. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The days of Sodom and Gomorrah were days of corruption. They were days of sinfulness. And this day is before us. The pornography industry has now become a multi-billion dollar industry. We no longer have to go to the local store and purchase a, a VHS tape and worry who's going to see us. Now people have at their disposal 
pornography in its hardest kind of form. And we have distanced ourselves to the culture and have said there's nothing wrong Jesus said, can I say it? Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, you have already committed adultery. Jesus took adultery from the dead to the head. When he said, if you lust after her, you have already committed adultery. The word is clear. Are we in the last days? Indeed we are. And the days are moving quickly as we see it before us. Larry King I don't know his religious status, but at the death of Billy Graham, we heard his speech. When he said, I'm kind of believing that the old book that what Billy Graham preached on is true. The commentators of our world do not have an answer for what's happening. They can't answer where the answers will come from. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot and in Sodom and Gomorrah. As we bring this to a close and our musicians can return. You see it's amazing that when we compare Jesus' predictions in Matthew 24 with the predictions in the book of Revelation, they provide an incredibly accurate picture of our land. It is in our lifetime in which Jesus spoke for 2,000 years. The words Jesus spoke on that hilltop in Jerusalem were preserved in the book of Matthew so that we could know the events of our time that signal the end of the earth. So what are the signs? Paul writing to Timothy says, listen, this is what is going to happen. There will be disdain and there will be dis de departure. You need to listen to it. What is going to happen? And there needs to be mindful of the disasters that are coming upon the earth. This gospel of the good news of salvation is preached around the world. Jesus said that this gospel shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. With the aid of radio, television, satellite networks, God's message of salvation through the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross is spreading around this planet. This book is being translated in the languages of our world. Thank God that our Bibles are being translated in the languages of this world. What do you to do, Pastor? Do you believe we're living in the last days? It's not what I believe. It's what the Word says. Jesus has laid it out for us. As it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of God. And then the apostles, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has continued with this message. This message is clear. Jesus is coming again. What is my mandate? It's not to bar myself in on 14 Janoris Lane and wait for the coming of the Lord. You remember in 1988 when one preacher printed his book, 88 Reasons Why Christ Was Coming in 88, and if you buy it, Frank admitted it, now aren't you? Do you know our Christian? We believe in preaching another preacher says. For goodness sake, light it up with the word of God. People sold their homes and barricaded themselves in houses. One person asked me, am I ready for the coming of the Lord on September the 11th, 12th, or 13th? 
I said, yes, I am. And I've been ready for quite some time for the coming of the Lord. But if it doesn't come on September the 11th, 12th, or 13th, I'm still ready. We cannot know the exact day or the hour. But Jesus said, watch the seasons. You watch the fig tree as it blossoms. And you will understand the season of which you are in. And I understand today that Jesus has promised he will return. And he's coming. But I'm not going to barricade myself on 14 Janor's Lane. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach his word. I'm going to love this community. I'm going to tell men and women about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to occupy till he comes. If he comes tonight, I'm ready. If he comes tomorrow, I'm ready. If he waits another week, I'm ready. But until then, I'm enjoying living. I'm enjoying Jesus. I'm enjoying touching other people's lives. And I'm getting as many people on board as I possibly can. Amen. to give the missions. The coming of the Lord says Jesus is coming and we want the world to know about Jesus. So we're going to give. The coming of the Lord encourages us to pray, to live steadfastly, to look upward and to understand that at any moment He could return. It also helps us to live right with our fellow brother because we don't want anything to hinder our soul's salvation pattern. Therefore, we are up and doing and ready for the coming of the Lord. We're going to begin to sing. You're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I know the world's in turmoil. You don't believe me, you read the scientists. You don't believe me, you read the National Post. You don't believe me, get the financial post tomorrow from the stock markets in New York and you read the predictions. If you don't believe me, you need to go overseas and you need to see what's happening in the world around Israel. If you don't believe me, the world is crying and it is groaning as the scriptures have said. Jesus is coming again. How can I be ready? I can be ready by surrendering my life to him. And surrendering it into his hands. Heavenly Father. Thank you today. That while we are living in the last days. Days of despair. Days of departure. We see days of disaster. But Lord in the midst of all of this. We can see your great hand of mercy. For you're not willing that any should perish. Thank you Lord. But that all should come to repentance. Thank you, Lord. As we get to sing your ear tonight, and you were once serving the Lord, and you know you're not ready for his coming, why don't you come tonight? Maybe you've never served the Lord, why don't you come? And you know what? To have the hope of God in our lives, the joy of the Lord, will change our perspective on living. You see, I'm living. I don't worry. And tomorrow, I won't be. Because my today, my tomorrow is in the hands of my loving Father. I trust in Him. Will you come and stand as we sing
what's transpiring. And I want to be ready to go. And I also want to be that hand extended to this world and to do whatever I have to do to reach out to a community that needs Jesus. Will you come? And that tonight we can pray that as we leave this building, you see, this is not a real service that's happening tonight. We should call our service and make the Salvation Army do. This is a meeting. Our service begins after this meeting ends. Because our service begins in this community as we touch the hurting, the broken, the bruised, the single mother, the divorced. You hear me? Homosexual, the adulterer, the drunkard. We go out of this place. We let them know Jesus is coming again. And we love them. And there is a message for them. They need not live like they're living. We know Him, Jesus, who's able to transform their lives. If that's your prayer, will you come as we sing it together? Amen.